The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Human design is a system that offers profound insights into your inner self and how you interact with the world around you. Quantum human design takes that process one step further, allowing you to become the architect of your own reality. Join Dr. Karen Curry for Elevating Your Life Script, a weekend workshop where you transform your life by crafting intentional narratives, May 24th through 26th at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. Hey, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. You are so deserving of all the joy and juiciness you can stand. I'm Lisa McCourt of Joy School, and this is Do Joy, the Vibration Elevation Podcast. Let's do some joy. Hi, my Do Joy love bugs. I am seriously wowed by the guest that I am bringing you today. You will be too. He is my favorite of the new friends, at least, that I made during the phenomenal Heal and Create Retreat at the Institute for Creative Living, which just wrapped up and his teachings are just so in alignment with what we do here. I knew I wanted to share him with you. DDA Sylvain is a certified life alignment coach and a consultant in I'm sorry, a consultant in leadership and personal development. He coaches individuals and groups into becoming fuller and more integrated versions of themselves so they can deliver powerfully on their missions. By applying grounded wisdom and adaptive frameworks to life's challenges and opportunities, he helps leaders transform their organizations, their teams, and themselves. Didi, I am so happy you wanted to play with me today. How are you, my friend? Lisa, I'm so happy to play with you too. Thank you for the invitation to play. I'm doing really well. Thank you, thank you. Thanks okay. for the invitation to, to converse. I love it, I love it. And I know that you are an expert on living an aligned life. What does that mean to you? How do you help coach your clients to an aligned life? Or what is it, the definition of one? Yeah, yeah, I talk about it in lots of different ways. And of course, like the way that is most meaningful is the meaning that people create for themselves. But at least one way I talk about it is um, an aligned life being one where who we are equals how we live. (laughs) where our, um, our commitments, our values, the things we stand for, our greatest gifts, our visions for the world, our dreams, our longings, like all of the things that make us who we are, that we honor them in the way that we live. Um, an aligned life is one where we fully integrated the truth of who we are as well. And so um, rather than leaving any fragmented parts of ourselves, behind we bring all of ourselves forward in service of what we care most about that's those are some ways i would talk about it those are beautiful ways those are are really beautiful i think the listeners can definitely feel your heart in that and i know that you've talked about serving people to step into their power to give these great gifts to the world in the sense that that comes with a vision for a more equitable and just world for all 
Mm. So I'm just wondering how you feel we're doing with that. This is a question that's come up a few times lately because this podcast Mm. is totally about pointing our energy hose on what we want to water, right? Understanding that attention Mm. is energy. Whatever we give energy to is what's going to grow. And we definitely hold this vision of a a highly evolved humanity right around the corner. But we've had a few high-level thinkers recently who've been in here basically saying, yeah, Humanity's definitely headed in the direction of full-out doom, you know. <laughs> so I'm just kind of curious on your position. How are we doing? We're making headway, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I appreciate the question. Um, so the American activist and writer James Baldwin um, is someone that I revere a lot, a beautiful teacher for millions for so long, um, says... Um, I can't be a pessimist. And he's saying this as a black man in the context of the United States, a gay black man in the context of the United States in the civil rights movement era. He says, um, I can't be a pessimist because I'm alive. Hmm. And so thinking about the various um, structures and systems of oppression that many of us and all of us, I'd say, have inherited and internalized, um, the fact that I get to wake up um, and renew myself, renew my mind, renew my heart, renew my world, like what a gift. And so um, to me, that has me experience hope more often than I experience despair. There's plenty of despair to go around in the world. There's plenty to be despairing about. And I would say um, breath and choosing life is an act of hope. And anyone that chooses to live and chooses to breathe um, is choosing hope and so there are at least seven million reasons for us to be hopeful or seven billion excuse me right (laughs) Um, for us to be for us to be hopeful you know Um, that's not even including the non-human so I guess overall I'd say Lisa I'm a I'm a pretty hopeful person Um, and I believe that we're here because yes, there's lots of work to do, always. <laughs> lots of work to do. And so whatever your movement is, whatever your concern is, may it be in service of the collective optimal good. That's a beautiful perspective. That really takes it down from, you know, base base level. We're here, we're alive, we're breathing, therefore, to all the way up the spectrum to this idea of coming into alignment which I've heard you call a homecoming, which I feel is just so lovely. That just makes me swoon, that description of coming into alignment. You know, oh, in, in, yeah. in Joy School, we, we talk a lot about our divine essence and coming closer to that divine essence, getting you know away from the things that are kind of keeping us from living that way. So I feel like you just ran the whole gamut there from just like waking up and being alive and doing your day to really committing to that homecoming. And I totally. Yeah, I appreciate it. I was just going to say, like, I um, that language in in part is inspired by Ram Dass, who often says, you know, we're just walking each other home. Yeah, I love that quote. Beautiful. And you've said that getting closer to embracing this true who we are allows us to be choiceful. And I love the um, the way you describe choicefulness. Mm. Tell us what it means to be choiceful. Yeah, choiceful. I mean, gosh, right? One of these things that we've inherited as human beings, one of the things we've been gifted with, the, this this 
gift of will like what a what a thing <laughs> and um in a way i mean i talk about my coaching as being focused on expanding people's sense of choicefulness it seems like we all want to be more choiceful and we all want to be more willful for what we care most about it seems that way and so um in certainly in a lot of my work i'm doing my best to elevate an awareness of the choices one has made um what is that serving because it's serving something like there are aren't really accidents that happen in life it seems well, they happen right but in terms of human behavior <laughs> um, usually there aren't and our relationships aren't right accidental so elevating an awareness of the choices we've made what has that been serving is it in alignment with what you are actually committed to and what other choices might be available to you to live out your vision that's really what my work is about yeah and I, I heard you say that there are the two postures that we're always coming from we're either coming from that conscious creation posture or reactivity and um that awareness that you just articulated is something my listeners are very familiar with we talk a lot about becoming the observer of ourselves i assume that's the first step to start calling out when we're coming from intentional choice, noticing when we're coming from reactivity. Do you think it's easy to spot? Do you have any special little metrics or tricks to apply to, to help you become that careful observer to know when you're choosing from reactivity or consciousness? Yeah, no, I really appreciate that question, Lisa. And um, I have to say, like, it seems that getting other people involved in our own alignment journey and our own creative practice or whatever it is that we're up to in life like considering the other people in your world as sources of data <laughs> um, is helpful we're constantly receiving feedback constantly whether whether we know it or not the things that people say to us the results of our life if you'd like to know how aligned or, or conscious you're being look at the results of your life and um, i would say that the biggest conscious trick or tip we might do to more effectively be observers of our own choice making and how we're living is to request feedback from our people consciously um what are you experiencing like what's what what do you experience from me um and we get to discern like does that align with what we're intending or not <laughs> um and at the very least just look at what results are happening like what's what what what's the quality of the relationships in your life what's the and all of that is this feedback you know so um i guess if any i'm saying anything right now it's it's um celebrating the the fact that we get to learn from the data of our lives and the data that people have available to us we get to request it too um when we're feeling brave and or trusting that's so true and I think there's a balance to be struck because you so often hear, oh, if anyone's judging you, it's more about them than you. Don't take that to heart. They shouldn't be you know, saying that about you. But it really is a, a, it's a balance, right? Because we want that accountability. And I guess it's a matter of, of a discernment practice and knowing what to pay attention to and what to, uh, you know, we, we do shadow work in, in joy school. So if it stings, mm. if it's if it feels like a, a mm. job, then you're judging yourself somewhere in there for that. And I guess that's the the point is to really pay attention to our emotional reactions to um, 
the feedback from people in our lives. But I love the idea of inviting it because then you can invite it selectively from those that you absolutely are going to trust to give you the information that you're looking for and not have any other agenda. Totally, totally. I mean, I. it seems that very few people that actually want to be lied to. <laughs> and so, um, like, if, if you were to if you were to ask people, if I ask them, like, would you like authentic feedback? You know, usually folks say yes, even though it may feel a little scary. Um, but mm-hmm. feedback allows us to get back into integrity with ourselves, yes. right? It's and and it's others' experience of us. It's neutral data, you know. It's like a mirror. And so sometimes that can alleviate some self-perceived pressure or burden we might have. Like, can I handle it or what? Like, it's data, you know. And we can regard it from a neutral place you know um and that's that's good news i think that is good news (laughs) (laughs) yep to be in that that already kind of high level of consciousness when you ask for and process that that information to not be reactive that's when our our choicefulness comes in and we want to make sure that we're we're not in reactivity but we're in that higher consciousness mode i know yeah and, and we're human, right? We're human. Like, it'll happen. Like, we get reactive and, you know, our, our default patterns, our trauma responses get activated and, you know, that's okay. Like, we get to be human. I feel like part of what the Joy School is about, part of what my work is about is also um, reminding people about our own humanity. Yeah. Um, and, and that often, just that alone can relieve some of the incredible extra burden we put on ourselves to take non-human responsibility for being absolutely. human. You catch my drift. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. I don't know if you uh, had the chance to meet Scott Stabile at, at Heal and Create, but he does talks a lot about like our, our humanness, embracing our humanness. And I felt a correlation there with what you were saying. Yeah. And I, yeah. Yeah. No, thank you. Yeah. Thank you for lifting this up. I know one of the, the, culprits that you have pointed at when we are finding it difficult to be at choice are the four idols. Would you mind sharing about the four idols? Because I think that feeds into what you were just talking about. Yeah, yeah. I've learned about this from um, my dear friend um, and just master transformation trainer, Jean Marie Jobs um, in the Gap community. Um, The four idols, there are lots of different ways that people talk about fixations that humans have. So many different models of human transformation often will point to specific human fixations that tend to address some fundamental human needs, um, like the need to be seen, to be soothed, to feel safe, to feel secure. Um, In the context of this life alignment and transformation work, um, four idols uh, that seem to show up and an idol you think about like an idol right something that we that humans or one may worship um and mistake for something larger than it actually is <laughs> um is and we might even say to go ex- to extreme like regarding something as godly <laughs> mm-hmm. um that actually is is not um is being right being in control looking good and feeling good Mm-hmm. as for common among others um, fixations that often tend to in cunning ways drive 
human behavior. Um, and certainly I see it in my own life. I see it in um, the folks around me. I see it in my work. And we get to elevate our awareness of how those idols sometimes stand in the way between ourselves and our visions. Mm -hmm. no. Do you notice that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Those are, are definitely all... You know, we use Eckhart Tolle terminology sometimes about the um, the horizontal self and the vertical self. And the horizontal self is this us that we present to the world. And that's where those those idols are really getting in the way of accessing the vertical self, where, which is that, that core essence, that joy. It's all those commitments that we make to, you know, wanting to look a certain way in the tribe and have this image of us out there so i'm really glad that you're calling attention to that helping people to spot it yeah yeah there's so many there are infinite ways that the self gets to be cunning hmm. <laughs> and um those four ways tend to be uh, some common patterns but yeah self is cunning yes <laughs> very very cunning and um our vertical a vertical self um gets to be something that we uh, continually return to in this dance of being human. Yeah. In that observing process, you had a name for this this idea that in order to be able to be a better observer, we need to label and define things. And you called it subject-object. What was that word you used? It, it oh, oh, yeah, that was just a framing from like modern psychology, just the idea that the, 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 the things that we feel subject to, right, the things that have us enter into a state or perception of being victim, the uh, sense of being at subject to some force in our life, um, these things tend to lose their power when we name them. Mm. Um, and immediately becomes an object that we look at, name, and can become more choiceful around. So... Um, I can say, right, I feel shame around having not released X project in the world or whatever. Um, and the moment I name that, I get to be in a place of inquiry um, rather than in a place of shame. <laughs> um, because actually that, that shame isn't, for example, right, mm -hmm. if we're talking about one, um, one experience of being subject to something that takes us out of choice, the moment we name it, the idea is, okay, like, What's that about? What's driving that? What's the story underneath it? What other choices might be available? What's the risk actually in sharing myself and sharing my gifts? Like actually, um, there are other choices available to me than shame, you know? So yes. yeah, that's, that's, that was the subject object distinction, like giving names to things so they lose their power when we're feeling subjected to them. It really does. Because like he said, if we, we can't really question it or pick around it or play with it, if we're keeping it just kind of beneath the surface of our awareness and then we don't have any any sovereignty over it but once you've named it you can like you said see is this even valid is there even any any truth to this Beautiful. yeah yeah and to name it even with our voice perhaps right like i know that there are many of us that love to write there are many of us that love to reflect there are many of us that love to draw and express in all different ways some of us quilt you have that beautiful quilt behind you oh, um, and <laughs> <laughs> and whoever made it right and and there's um seemed like another power it seems in actually giving sound like a vibrational like material like sonic 
material, you know, just to, to our experience and naming something, it seems to also activate an awareness and a possibility that um, other forms of expression don't. So at the moment, I'm curious about the role of voice um, in liberating ourselves and uh, liberating our possibilities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that just all helps you to become the ever more keen observer, right? Because once you can spot that, then you can spot your competing tendencies, which I know you've also talked about that, you know, we make this very rational decision with our pros and cons and our smarts and our logic to say, this is what I'm going to do. And then we find ourselves doing the complete opposite thing. And that's because we have a, a competing tendency. Tell about those. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, I know that there are all types of things that I happily, proudly, boldly declare in the world that I stand for. I stand for courage. I stand for joy. I stand for love. I stand for creative expression. I stand for justice. I stand for love. And we can just think about all the things that we stand for that we can proudly proclaim. And yet at the same time, I find myself being drawn and fixated on these idols in different ways, in cunning ways, in all types of contexts, in my relationships at home with my family and work and all these sorts of things. And all of a sudden I find myself having this fixation on being liked Mm -hmm. or fixation on being in control or fixation on what have you. And these things directly create a tension um, that has me settle for the status quo that has me settle for what I have currently um, rather than, Um, leaping into some unprecedented expression or reality that love, joy, courage, these things are calling for. So um, framing these different things that we care about as competing commitments is one way to say um, we can care about two things at the same time. One of them might be more conscious than the other. Um, Yet what's the connection between the two? And um, what might open up, what possibilities might open up when we name the less than conscious commitments we have that stand in the way of our conscious ones. What stands in the way between me and an experience of justice in the world? Or what stands in the way between me and an experience of joy that I long for with my people? Well, trying to control my environment whenever I find myself being suspicious of strangers because of my own past experiences of whatever, being harmed by strangers or whatever it is. So um, competing commitments is one way of thinking about how we can care about more than one thing that um, rubs up against each other. And both of them can become conscious and then more choicefulness may open up. That was so beautifully articulated. Thank you for that. I've I've heard you talk about that before, but I was just like, oh, yes, that's exactly the the bow I wanted to wrap that up with. Thank you so (laughs) much. Well, thank you for asking. Thank you for asking and for receiving that and evoking that. I don't know if I mentioned this, but every week I give my podcast listeners a tool they can take into their day-to-day experience, something in service of elevating their personal vibration to create more love, more joy, more goodness for themselves and others based on all of this juicy, juicy stuff you've been dishing out today for us. Do you have any idea of just like one little thing they could pay attention to this week or one little practice, something they could add in? that would help mm. them to um, to cement what you've shared with us? Yeah, you know, um, I would I would say, um, I would love to encourage people to go to their own people, to the people that they love, and ask the question, what's your experience of me? 
And, um, and before even doing that, perhaps sharing, you know what, like Lisa, these days in this moment in my life, I'm committed to bold, authentic expression, whatever it is, right? Whatever it is that you're committed to, to share that with your loved ones so they know what you're up to and ask them, what's your experience? Ask them what their experience is of you so you can get some conscious, trusting, loving feedback and return to integrity. Because it seems to me, um, if there's one practice we can do in any given moment in our life and every single day of our existence, it's to think about and notice and attend to to what extent am I in integrity with what I stand for? Let's ask our people. Let's use the beautiful, beloved, loving support we have around us. It is such a gift to people when we open up our hearts and share what it is we stand for and what integrity means to us. Ask them, this is what I'm up to. What's your experience of me? And you may find yourself be surprised. Allow yourself to be surprised. If you do this once per day or three times per week to start, Notice what you notice and perhaps take it to the next level. Maybe three times a day you ask that question to someone. Perhaps it's a regular thing that you find different ways to express. In any event, whatever it is you're hearing in this, I hope it inspires some type of small experimentation with courage to return to integrity. Oh, oh, that's wonderful home play. I hope you all got that. We're going to check back next week on how you did with that amazing home play exercise. Human design is a system that offers profound insights into your inner self and how you interact with the world around you. Quantum human design takes that process one step further, allowing you to become the architect of your own reality. Join Dr. Karen Curry for Elevating Your Life Script, a weekend workshop where you transform your life by crafting intentional narratives, May 24th through 26th at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn more at eomega.org thrive. You are such a bright light. I absolutely adore you to pieces. Lisa, oh, you're so sweet. I adore and you too. Thank you. I know you have a card deck. I know you do coaching. I am so jealous of your lucky, lucky coaching clients. Tell us how we can get your card deck and follow up with you and, and keep track of you. Thank you. I really appreciate that, Lisa. Thank you. You're, you're too kind. Um, so yeah, one place to find some resources that build on some of what I've shared here um, is my Instagram page, which is, um, and I'm on LinkedIn as well, but it's just my full name. Um, you could find me there. Uh, my full name.com is my website. My full name.com is, is my website. Um, and, uh, backslash products, a card deck that I released last year is called the coherence uh, discovery deck. It basically is 52 questions to activate your own journey of self-discovery, different questions. Each one is a kind of portal or a mirror, if you will, um, to uh, see something new and or see yourself to put yourself in a place of conscious choice. Um, I hope it's some a, a tool that might support your own practice. Um, folks have found it to be complementary to their own self-discovery practice, their own mindful practice, their own conscious practice <laughs> and so um so i would encourage folks to check it out if uh, if it sounds like uh, a tactile resource that might be supportive for you yeah i'm gonna get mine for sure 
I absolutely loved this conversation. I love you. We will connect again. I am very certain of that. And um, I'm just going to sign off now, y'all. You have a beautiful week, and I'll see you next week on Do Joy. Thank you, Lisa. Joy comes in many flavors, but they all start with you being full on glorious you. If you'd like some personal love and support along your joy journey, find me at lisamccourt.com. And as you do your joy this week, remember that you elevating your vibration elevates the vibration of everyone around you and ultimately elevates the vibration of all humanity. Thank you for being a valued member of the team that's bringing more love and joy into the world. We need you. I'll see you next week for Do Joy, the Vibration Elevation Podcast. Much love. Hi, I'm Liz Winter and I have been a medium and a spiritual development teacher for over 30 years. On my podcast, All Aboard the Mediumship, I want to share the message with you that there is a wealth of love and comfort available to you from the spirit world. On my podcast, you can experience this comfort and peace for yourself through gentle guided meditations and helpful messages. Make sure you subscribe and follow so you never miss an episode. Part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network.